You might have been hoping for the San Diego Padres to get at least a little bit of revenge for last year's NLCS against the Phillies, and you guess what? Guess what happened? Just go ahead, go ahead, guess. They didn't do it. Talking about this series against the Philadelphia Phillies and a little bit of stuff on Tatis and some fun little talk about trading for Pete Alonso? Because why not? It's Locked On Padres, guys. You know what it is. Let's get started. Woo! You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, September 6th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. If you only want Padres stuff, don't worry. If you get a sick of my comic book nerd One Piece tweets, don't worry. Check out Lockdown Padres or Lockdown Padres on YouTube where I uploaded a short. That's right. Going to be putting all my like little game recaps on there from now on. Might put them on Twitter too. But still, you should check them out. It's fun to just do a little quick recap. I'll do a little editing if there's any TikTok folk who enjoy TikTok, that type of stuff. Uh, but for today's episode, guys, it is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now, ladies and gentlemen. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And oh, are y'all in for a treat today? Not really. It's, it's I, I consider every episode, or at least I hope. I don't want to say consider. It makes me sound a little, a little arrogant, a little bit too uh, self-absorbed. As you all know, I, I am the opposite. I am a humble, humble man in many ways. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I hope. I hope that every episode is a treat for you guys. And today's episode, we're going to be recapping. It's been a while since we've done an actual, like, series recap. We're going to go through that really quickly um, with this series between the Padres and Phillies, only because it's a team that I personally don't like. Um, nothing to do with the players. I just don't root for Philadelphia teams, and I hope they all lose horribly. Uh, a lot of times, I'm not, not the biggest fan. All love at the same time, though. Um, could be talking about that. And then I quickly wanted to bring up Pete Alonso. Uh, just... A tiny bit. Just want to talk about him at the end because there's been trade rumors with him. The Mets might be wanting to trade him. You've got players who are, you know, protesting and hoping they don't trade him. But I figured, hey, Padres, everyone gets into my mentions all the time about how they need a first baseman because Cronenworth is better in the infield and all that stuff. So I figured I'd talk about that a little bit. But for now, let's start with yesterday's game. Unfortunately, the Padres, with a chance to win a series, get a tiny smidgen of revenge against the team that knocked them out last year. They're unable to win this series, losing uh, two out of three games, obviously. Um, and last yesterday's game, really nothing noteworthy to talk about, if we're being honest. That's where I, So we're going to start with that one first. Uh, this one started by Michael Waka. He gives up, hold on, three earned runs. I thought it was four. I don't know why it was, I thought it was three. Or I don't know why I thought it was four. It's three earned runs on seven hits over four innings, walked three and struck out six. Shouts to me in my first ever YouTube short saying that he gave up four runs uh, at 40. So not a good start from Michael Waka, but remarkably still his ERA is below three at 2.99. So just right under it. Uh, and then Tim Hill is the one who gives up more runs um, in this game, giving up two without getting out of the inning. A JT Romuto home run, as well as Jake Cave uh, getting an RBI single. And look, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, this game starts off with Waka getting bases loaded with 
was it nobody out? I think it was nobody out, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with nobody out. And only ends up giving up one run. So considering it's a really tough team to pitch against, uh, considering all that, still a pretty okay start uh, for Michael Waka. It is a little bit surprising, though, that Waka, whenever he doesn't uh, perform admirably, because since April 26, he, you know, except for um, the Brewers as of late, uh, Waka has been money basically all year. He hadn't given up more than three earned runs since April 26 against the Cubs. And then recently against the Brewers, he gave up four. Then he gave up two against the Giants, and then he just gave up three against Philadelphia in just four uh, four innings. So it's possible that this is just end of season. Guys are tired. Maybe he was due for a little bit of a, a regression anyway. It's fine. Uh, I still think that he looks pretty good. The six strikeouts is nice. Um, I have been a little bit concerned with how many walks he's been giving up lately. Um, you know, five a couple starts ago, two, and then three today. Uh, so, so not great on that end. But it's all good. It's all good. Today was really more about the offense not showing up. Um, And I know it was Zach Wheeler. And I know that I've been occasionally accosted by rival teams commenting on this YouTube page whenever I say this. But I I really did pass a while ago the point of, you know, forgiving the Padres offense if it was a great pitcher. Because I, I stopped doing that because... They don't show up against anybody. And if it's a good pitcher, then that pitcher has a chance to throw a no-hitter, as far as I'm concerned, right? So they make the great pitchers look godly, and then the bad pitchers look at least pretty tolerable. That's been the story of this offense all year. Only getting one hit off of Zach Wheeler, who, for what it's worth, absolutely owns the Padres. He has, before this start, he had an ERA of 2.31 against the Padres. He had a whip below one uh, since uh, for this season against them. He has been killing us. He killed us in the playoffs as well. Guy's money. He's a very good pitcher. I think his ERA is inflated a little bit by bad defense on the Philadelphia side and just some unlucky, timely hits for them. But Zach Wheeler's money, but they're unable to hit Sir Anthony Dominguez, Hoffman, or Matt Strom, former Padre. Uh, It comes into the game at the end. They actually do hit him for one run, Xander Bogart um, being driven in by Garrett Cooper, who's been okay for the team, by the way. Um, Like the rest of the team, not great in high leverage situations, but, you know, he's been okay. He's been able to get on base. He's been able to get some extra base hits every now and then in the right matchup. So that trade seems to have worked out for the Padres decently enough. Unfortunately, G-Man Choi and Rich Hill did not um, in terms of the deadline, not to get too sidetracked. But, yeah, I mean, not much to report here, right? I mean, this is just, this is what they do. This is what they do. And they ended the series how they started it, which was disappointment. Uh, unable to get a Series W. I don't think they're officially eliminated from the playoffs just yet. That should be coming any day now. Uh, assuming that just any of the wildcard teams start catching a little bit of fire, that should put them to rest um, permanently. And personally, thank thank you. I, I'm so sick of pretending that we can... Oop, and I knocked over Tatis. I'm so sick of pretending we have a chance at the playoffs, even in the slightest. So, look, it's rough, though, because that first game, you know, I, I talked about this on... Like, the last week, so you can look at these episodes, but just to repeat myself, this team has been so astronomically bad, uh, given all of their talent, given their great defense, given their great starting pitching, given, at the very least, that they have an all-star, the best closer in baseball this year in Josh Hader. Like, it's it's really frustrating. They've got three gold-glove caliber defenders, and then they've got two that are just good, and then one that's okay, right? Like, considering all of that... It's pretty unreal how bad they've been, and it's it's been a little bit of a fluky season in that regard, but it's not a fluke that the Padres have found ways um, over the past six years to disappoint dramatically, whether it be second-half collapses in 2021, or it be a pretty bad collapse in 2019, or it be this absolutely just zero-clutch 
dog in them energy. There, there's not a dog in them. There's a a parasite in them. Uh, this Padres team when it comes to games that matter and situational hitting and all that stuff. So it's been bad. And this game is, you know, it's same old, same old. Uh, unable to hit anyone that might be slightly good. They refuse to step up. That's what happened. And it stinks. But before we talk about the rest of the games and Pete Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen, I need to take a quick second to talk to you about LinkedIn sales. That's right. You've heard of LinkedIn before. Are you struggling to close deals? You know, you know what I mean? Maybe, 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 maybe just maybe cold outreach is kind of wasting the time with the buyer and the seller at every stage. It's not great. The cold reach outs. I think everyone kind of knows that. I think you guys get that, right? It's not great even when you're applying and whatnot. But when sellers are using shallow and outdated data, that was a weird, outdated data. I don't know. It was a weird thing to say. Uh, your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. This is business talk. I'm not a big business person, but LinkedIn, they seem to uh, know what they know what they're doing. They call this deep sales, and we built the first deep sales platform, the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. And right now, just because you've been listening to this podcast, that's right, I got a treat for you. You can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That is linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial for the sales navigator to help you sell like a like a Fernando, you know what I mean? Like a like a Soto, like a like a Kim. You know, be a superstar when it comes to sales and whatnot, guys. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on to get started. Check it out. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember to go check us out on SiriusXM, where you can also listen to the play-by-play for each game. Love that stuff. Really cool stuff. Let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue talking about this series. We're going to wrap up these next two games really quickly. Um, This is now, hold on. I always mess up with this. Tuesday's game. There we go. Tuesday's game, the Padres showed up. And it makes their loss um, yesterday, or I should say today, uh, just remarkable, right? Like the fact that they were able to hit up the Phillies really, really hard against Michael Lorenzen, who has actually been okay for them. Not great, but okay. He famously threw the no-hitter. Granted, he walked four and only struck out five, but he did throw a no-hitter in his first start for them. He's been a little up and down. I think he's a guy that's more of a depth starter, but nonetheless, the Padres are still able to hit him up for six earned runs on eight hits. Really, really awesome from them. RBIs. From Mr. Tatis, who, by the way, we got to talk about, but also Luis Campizano, he reaches on an infielder's choice. Sander Bogarts has been actually swinging the bat pretty well lately. Um, it's funny that now he decided to do that. I say decided, but you you get what I mean. It's just unfortunate that there's been so many times where if Xander Bogarts just went on a two-week hot streak, that would have been really, really big for the team. But he's been unbelievable to do that until late, lately. Uh, Luis Campizano gets a single in the bottom of the six. Matthew Batten also drives one in, and Matt Carpenter gets a sack fly. Um, just overall, just piling in runs. The rare small ball from the Padres, and I actually mean that because most of the time it feels like this Padres team gets you like a, a home run or two, like a solo shot when you're already down by a lot. You know what I'm saying? And instead, they actually like played some small ball, which was refreshing to see and really entertaining. So I appreciated that. Um, 
Tatis going one for two in this game with two walks and a solo shot, which I mentioned before, uh, to start off the game. Really, really cool stuff. I got the notification about that, and I was you know, unable to see the beginning of the game, unfortunately. And right when I got back, right when I got back, I was like heading into my door. I missed it. I missed the Tatis home run. But nonetheless, I still got to see them do well for the rest of the game. Um, not much else here. Uh, Machado gets a DH day. He does fine there. One for three with a walk. Uh, Xander Bogart, though, like I was saying, he's been catching fire at least a little bit lately. He gets a double and an RBI in this game, but four for four. Love to see that. And that's basically it. Luis Campizano, the Hive, continues to be as strong as ever. Uh, three RBIs uh, on the night. So he was the big leader in that regard, going two for four uh, in this one. Love it. Campizano, I'm really curious to see if they can finally tune his catching behind the plate. Defensive stuff. People still run a little bit wild and free on him. Not young, wild, and free, though. Not young, wild, and free. I, I, I know Wiz Khalifa. Don't worry. Not young, wild, and free. But um, he's been a little bit shaky in that regard. So I'm hoping that he can refine that a little bit more in the offseason. And if he does that, wow, that's exciting because this guy can freaking hit. And he's always made a little hit. And I'm glad that the Padres finally realized that and gave him a chance. He's still hitting over 300. Just an absolute beast at the plate. In general, by the way. You know, because some catchers, if they give you like a 95 WRC plus, you're thrilled because the average for catchers is about 80, uh, hold on, is about like an 89 WRC plus uh, in Major League Baseball. So that's not usually where you're going for offense. And Campizano is much, much higher than that. So just on catcher level of offense, he's he's literally already becoming one of the better ones in the league. Uh, like in the top percentile, at least. I, I don't have any, obviously not a Sean Murphy, not a Real Muto, not a Will Smith, not maybe not a Cal Rowley, right? Like some of those guys, but... He's becoming a great hitting catcher, so hopefully he finally tunes the rest of his game. Um, really, really good stuff from him. And yeah, the Phillies don't score at all. Pedro Avila is the big thing in this game. Uh, and he had a, it's a weird performance. It's one of those performances where, as the analytics, as the guy who covers the team, who's trying to do some analysis, not the most impressive start because he walked six and the Phillies were unable to bring in any of them. Uh, he still didn't give up any runs, so it's cool. But it reminded me a lot of the Jackson Wolf start. Jackson Wolf, who walked, I don't have it in front of me, but he walked like way more batters than I remember. I think it, I think he might have walked five or something. And only got one strikeout, and he battled. Like he battled, and he was still able to, you know, come up with a decent start. But that shows you I wouldn't freak out about the zero earned runs because of the walks, right? And I think that is very important when you're analyzing this guy. But one thing I will say, kind of wild, that they didn't give this guy more of a shot beforehand. Um, I'm not here to say that I knew that Pedro Avila was a beast. Just because a guy comes out of the bullpen for a few games does not mean that it's like, wow, you are idiots for not starting this guy. Give this guy a shot. Oh, I think this guy could be good. You can do that about anybody who's in a different role, right? And then when you throw him out as a starting pitcher, maybe he won't be as effective. But in terms of his game log, I mean, he wasn't very good in his last start either. He gave up six runs. Granted, they weren't all earned because there's some errors. And then he gave up five against Milwaukee. Still, I mean, it's worth at least talking about. And I think most importantly what's worth talking about is less to do with Pedro Avila and more to do with how is he not starting over Rich Hill? I just don't understand. Like, why? At, this is a guy who's like 49 years old. All of his pitch data is bad. He gives up bombs. I don't understand after maybe one or two starts, you were like, you know what, let's just give Avila a try. Because at the very minimum, he can't be much worse than, um, excuse me, he can't be much worse than um, Rich Hill, 
right? So finally they gave him a, um, a little bit more of a chance. And even in all those bad starts that I mentioned, he's still been better than Rich Hill, who we're going to talk about in a second. But uh, yeah, just not the best start in the world. He didn't get many whiffs in this game either, if I'm not mistaken. Or actually, he got some. He got six whiffs in total, not many on his fastball, none on his sinker, a couple on his curveball. I didn't see anything that blew me away. The only thing that is worth talking about, though, is, yes, I do agree. He should have been giving, uh, given more starting opportunities before Rich Hill, in my opinion. I think that there were opportunities where you could have used Avila or, frankly, anybody. Um, but, hey, that's also an indictment on probably the organization, right? So, nice win for the Padres. But, as I mentioned with Rich Hill, in Monday's game, gets absolutely annihilated. Basically takes the Padres out of the game uh, almost immediately. One and a third inning. He can't even get past two innings. He gives up six earned runs on seven hits. My lord, and it was it was run palooza. Alec Bohm getting a double in this one. And Mundo Sosa getting a home run. Trey Turner getting a home run. Trey Turner, man, am I jealous. What I bet Philadelphia fans, if you're gonna comment on this video, I really want to know. Like, what's it like? You you know, shortstop disappointing, but then he, you know, turns it on when it matters a lot. Must be nice. Must be really nice. Shouts to Trey Turner. Unbelievable stuff from that guy, uh, who I believe has already like 22 home runs on the season, which is wild because I think he only had like 10 maybe a day ago. Uh, it's just it's just crazy seeing what Trey Turner has been able to do with this season and turn it around. He has been as hot as basically anybody in the game. Uh, and this was talked about and is still talked about on the Bird app and Twitter and you know all your message boards and whatnot, which is just, you know, they gave him a, a reception a warm reception, and all of a sudden he's been one of the best hitters in baseball. Philadelphia, they never cease to amaze me. And what I will say, though, is what's crazy is they actually made a little bit of a comeback in this one. 9-7 is the final score in this one. Uh, the Padres are able to get some runs. Hassan Kim gets one. Trent Grisham is able to get one. Granted, here's the thing, though. They're down 8-2, or they were down 8-0, or 8-1, I'm sorry. Tatis hits a home run in this game, by the way, uh, who I'll talk about in one second. Um... Hassan Kim gets an RBI, a couple RBIs in this game. Gary Sanchez able to get a double in the last inning. Uh, but unfortunately, to close out the game, Hassan Kim strikes out and Luis Campuzano strikes out. Just saying, Grisham also was able, unable to come up pretty big in a, in a spot earlier. It just shows you a lot. Like, this is a team that, like, it, it's amazing. Like, when I saw them scoring a little bit and you're like, oh, man, can they make a comeback? Can we do it against Philadelphia? Get a little bit of revenge. They can't. Uh, it's so much easier. They love hitting when they're down, or when they're already up. Manny Machado becomes Babe Ruth when they're already up by five, right? Like, it's unbelievable. Machado has been, the the difference between his clutch stats last year versus this year, I think he's like a 240 hitter um, this year in high leverage situation last, or no, he was lower this year. I think he's like 190. And then last year, he was like a, a, a 280 or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but go look it up. The difference between high leverage on basically every Padre this year has been dreadful. I had tweeted... Yesterday, Xander Bogarts, who I know has been on fire lately, but Xander Bogarts, he's hitting like, what is it, 188 with runners on first and third and 100 with first and second. Just truly astounding stuff from the Padres, and they're unable to give us just one nice win. We know we're not going to make the playoffs. We know. We know. But even then, they're unable to do it for us. Really stinks. Really, really stinks. But before we talk a little bit about Tatis and finally conclude with some talk about that boy, Petey. Ladies and gentlemen, I love how I was just mentioning Cal Rally, and as I'm recording, he just hit a home run. Um, I got to talk to you about one of the greats, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greats, truly one of the greats. That's FanDuel. 
ladies and gentlemen. And tomorrow, tomorrow, I keep getting that mixed up. You guys are going to get this pod soon. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Really cool stuff, guys. Just listening to the pod, you get these cool deals. Isn't that great? And now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from point score to touchdowns, spreads, interceptions, like yards, like whatever you want. And in baseball, you, you all know the stats, strikes, home rounds, run score, all that stuff, all that stuff. Um, and I think I actually recommended taking Garrett Cole last time. And he, uh, I think he carved up a little bit, did he? Uh, I don't know if he did. I don't know. But I recommend taking Garrett Cole on the over on his strikeouts recently. And uh, look, you can do all that stuff over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And we are back. Oh, we are so back here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember to go check out, again, SiriusXM for any info. Or, I'm sorry, any, um, hold on, for the podcast and for the play-by-play. Sorry, I am, mm, didn't get a lot of sleep last night. It's one of those days, you know. Um, but I want to talk about Tatis really quickly. Um, I want to talk about Tatis, and I want to talk about Pete Alonso. First, Tatis, them counting stats, baby. Don't you just love to see it? He's got a bunch of home runs. He's got stolen bases on the year. Um, it's really, really cool. Uh, I said this before, and look, Tatis's season has been in some circles and some frame of mind a disappointment, but considering he missed a year, and also, let us not forget, this is very important because I feel like people have been overlooking this. This could just be me. This could be a bias and maybe an echo chamber, but... He also had the shoulder surgery, so taking that all into account, the guy's got a 120 WRC+, and he's got 23 home runs, and he's got 25 stolen bases. If he gets hot at the right time, which is one thing I talked about last week for reasons to keep watching the team, he could be a 30-30 guy, low-key, which I know that's just a little that's a little bit more of a fantasy baseball thing to look at. Hey, shouts to anyone who has him in fantasy baseball, though. I know that's more of a fantasy thing, but even still, it's still really cool. And the fact that he has 71 rubies despite missing some games, just a really solid season, and especially when you compound that with his incredible defense. Uh, that's been the big thing for him this year. And over his last 12 games, Tatis is slashing 304 with a 377 on base and a 543 slugging. That's good for a 152 WRC+, plus for those who like the deeper stats. Uh, just really cool on Tatis's part. This is what I was hoping for. I was hoping that he could just get really hot at the end of the season. He had an absolute bazooka bomb yesterday to left field. It was awesome to see. Uh, like, I just... D- don't be out on this guy. I don't think anyone is. Let me be very clear. I don't think anyone's out on Tatis. I think the only people that are out on Tatis are, like, trolls on Twitter and Dodgers fans, and that's basically it. Uh, and, and people who like shouting cheater. Um, again... Uh, I'm not going to get too into it, but... No, you know what? I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it about the Dodgers. I'm not going to say it. People who know me, you can read into what I might be alluding to. But with Tatis, um, just really good stuff. Again, I think he's just been pressing a lot. Hasn't been seeing as many pitches. But the hard hit data, his just swing in general, uh, he's not striking out as much as he used to. He'll figure it out. I think next year he's going to be even better 
or at the minimum, if he does what he did this year, guys, make no mistake, that's an awesome player and still an all-star superstar player, especially, especially because of the defense. So even if next year, if he becomes a 130 WRC plus guy next year, that's still awesome, especially if the defense stands intact. And even still, considering he's going to win the gold glove, Tatis basically lived up to every expectation I had. Um, I think anyone who's expecting to have a 150 WRC plus and be the MVP form and yelling at people who thought he might not be that just yet, I think those people will be disappointed, but that's their own fault. Um, so Shasta Tatis, he's getting on a roll. It is literally one of the only reasons uh, to watch this Padres lineup is just to see if Tatis gets on a roll. You've got Kim, and I talked about the reasons to watch the team last week. You can go um, check out that episode. Lastly, last thing I want to talk about really quickly is Pete Alonso. Only because I've seen his name popping up a little bit lately. Um, I just want to quickly talk about this. Um, you know, a potential trade guy. I think it's actually a really frisky move by the Mets. I actually think it makes sense. You know, he's going to be 30. He's not a young guy necessarily. And they might be saying, you know what? We already got like our big chunky contract in Lindor. We just paid Brandon Nimmo. We're going to be paying for Max Scherzer next year, even if he's not on our team. So maybe they're like, we don't want to give up a big uh, a contract right now because we don't know exactly. I don't know if they're going to be buyers or sellers. They're in a weird spot because even with Steve Cohen's money, that team was really disappointing this year. Basically the same as the Padres. And, you know, I do think it would be frisky, though, if they just did a full sort of reset and they said, all right, we obviously can't trade Lindor, and he's really good, so we wouldn't want to. And they might say, you know, maybe some team will be crazy enough to trade for Pete Alonso, who is a home run hitter, and he's been one of the most consistent power bats in all of baseball. All of baseball. I, I just, I don't know if people realize outside the home run derby and outside for Padres fans, the one really funny video of him saying, and you just lost to the San Diego Padres. Really, really funny video. Everyone knows it, but... Every single season, um, he's hit at least 35 home runs, or to be specific, 37 home runs. Rookie year, 53. In 2020, he had 16, which in 60 games is great. 37, 40, and then he's got 42 this year. I mean, just incredible stuff. Yes, his batting average on base leaves a lot to be desired. 225, 326 on base, but the slugging more than makes up for it. This is who he is. He's a three-win player. He's going to give you a whole lot of home runs and RBIs. And he's had moments where he's really stepped up when it comes to clutch situations. So um, absolutely, he's a guy we're talking about. He's really, really good. He had 131 RBIs last year. He has 102 this year. This is not no you know Manny Machado type of guy. He's been consistently showing that in you know big situations, he can get that big home run for you. And I know whenever I have a Mets game on, if the Padres aren't playing, he's a delight to watch. So should they trade him? I don't know. Go check out Ryan Finkelstein's podcast at Lockdown Mets for that perspective. But for me, this is about Padres need a first baseman, don't they? <laughs> Look, Jake Cronenworth, this has been a thing talked about a lot. They just extended him. I don't think he's going anywhere. They could potentially trade him. Um, I think a smart team might do that. And they'll be like, ooh, we can bring him back to what he was two years ago. Like, for sure. And they'll be like, all right, we'll put him back in the infield. There's a, a pretty popular belief. Um that Jake Cronenworth will be more valuable in the infield. He does a little bit more defensively at second base. He's been really good before there. He's a utility type of player. He's our Ben Zobris, which I remember writing about and saying on this podcast a few years ago that he reminded me of him a little bit. Not as much of a pull hitter and all that stuff, but even still, that's our version of him. And he's such a great find. You need guys like this. But at first base where you're not getting as much you know, war accumulated from first base because that's the position that seems to... I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but the defense seems to matter the least 
as opposed to catcher and and I'm not counting pitcher, of course. Um, you know, as opposed to catcher and shortstop and outfielders, it seems to be a little bit not the same. So you're not getting as much production from there, especially since he's not a really superhero power bat like a Pete Alonso. So in theory, this would be a great match for the Padres. My problem is that I just oh god. Do you want to be trading all that much for Pete Alonso, who is going to be a free agent soon, if I am not mistaken? Is he? Hold on. Um, like, I just don't want to... I am so against trading. Yeah, I'm sorry. He becomes an unrestricted free agent after the 2024 season, so he would cost a pretty penny. I thought it was uh, potentially after this season, so I was dead wrong about that. My bad. Um, but, like, I just... My answer is no. I don't want to make a trade for Pete Alonso. I do not because I know it's going to cost a lot. And it should cost a lot. 131 WRC plus guy. This is not a guy getting lucky or anything like that. He hits for power. But, you know, he's going to be 30 by the time he becomes a free agent. I would love to have this guy, but I just really don't want to give up stuff right now. I just think if there's one thing that I keep stressing on this podcast is that the Padres have the stars. So let's just try and build around the edges. It is not good. And it is a great microcosm of this team's lack of depth when you have to start Rich Hill. That's bad. Yes, is it injury-related with Darvish and Musgrove going down? Of course. But still, there are team. every team faces injuries. And the Padres are the ones that seem to be like a house of cards whenever guys of theirs get hurt. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not the only issue. Talked about it on... Hold on. On Tuesday's episode, yesterday's episode, saying how I think Preller, like, you, you have to be careful when blaming him for this year because, like, it's not his fault that all four of the players, absent Tatis, have been dreadful when it count, when it matters the most. That's not his fault, right, necessarily, right? Like, you got to look at that stuff. And if those guys were just a little bit better, if they were just, even if it was a, a Runetto door, you know what I mean? Even if it was a, a Trent Grisham, whoever, it's still crazy how poor they were in clutch situations this year. But I'm just really against the idea of trading for him. Even if he's a perfect fit, he could hit for power, and he, he can even hit for a little bit of average when you need him. He can draw walks. He doesn't swing at dumb pitches. He's a great first baseman. Um, I don't think he's underrated, but he's... I think occasionally people forget how good he is. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, with those numbers I was mentioning to you before. So, look. If you are somehow able to swindle the Mets, sure. You give up a Robbie Snelling? Maybe. But I am just so against, let's try something new. Let's try building up the farm a little bit. Let's wait a little bit. Let's not be too antsy because that's what we did this season, this offseason. And last year, if you count the Soto trade. We went all in. We spent a lot of money, traded a lot of prospects. How about we just rest? How about we just rest? And I know, I know. You, you could just say, hey, we'll get him a rental for a year. Okay, I get that. Especially for a team that's in a win-now mode. I get that. But for me, I don't want to give up too much. So, for example, Jackson Merrill for Pete Alonso, straight up, not doing it. I'm just not doing it. Jackson Merrill might be debuting on the team next year. Ethan Salas, who's a few years away, obviously, he's still 17. No way. Not doing it. Not giving those two guys up. And to be honest with you, I don't want to give up a Dylan Head or a Robbie Snelling, like I was mentioning before. I just like the idea of let's like let's take a step back. You have your stars. You just got to hope that they perform. You gotta hope Manny Machado bounces back. You gotta hope that Xander Bogarts bounces back. You gotta hope that Tatis uh, at least stays what he was this year and then still can deliver in the clutch. And same thing for Juan Soto. You just gotta hope that all these guys bounce back next year. I'd rather do that than mortgaging the future even further, especially for a team that I don't know what's gonna happen next year. So that's just me. If you think they should trade for him and give up some little bit lower tier prospects, that's one thing. But I'm just saying. 
I think that there's also questions of, okay, where does Cronenworth go then? Right? That's the next thing. Because you have Xander Bogarts. So does Cronenworth go to second? Okay, then where does Hassan Kim go? Third? No, we got Manny Machado. See the issue? See the issue? This is why I keep saying that I like to be flexible with my roster. Because if they don't have Xander Bogarts on this team, yeah, maybe you do go and trade for Pete Alonzo. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you do do that because of money and being able to spend around more and saying, okay, now we're going to move Cronenworth back out to second. And that's a second, and then Kim can play shortstop. Okay, okay, you know what I mean? Then we talk maybe some Kim stuff. So that's why I'm against overcommitting to the present. Um, it's possible that they might be forced to do that. It's possible that Preller might be on the hot seat come this offseason. And he, you know how GMs who are on the hot seat tend to do some crazy things because they're like, screw it. If I don't win, I'm getting fired anyway. I don't care about my future guys. That's possible too. I'm just saying in a vacuum right now, really don't want to make any more superstar trades. I want to build around the edges. I want to have it that if we, you know, if a pitcher goes down, that we can have someone a little bit better than your Michael Waldron types and your Jackson Wolf types and your, no offense to Pedro Vila, but your Pedro Vila types. Just a little bit more oomph. And I think if you develop, I think if you can just build up the farm a little bit more, some interesting things can happen. But again, what do I know? I'm just an idiot from New Jersey talking about San Diego Padres. <sighs> But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. Guys, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Uh, stick to, Stay tuned to the podcast for tomorrow where we're going to be talking about the future of this rotation. I want to give my take on Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, and Blake Snell. Just give a little general overview on pitching because I think that's a really interesting conversation heading into next year. What my thoughts are, whether they should resign Snell. Going to talk about that tomorrow. And then Friday's episode, I'm going to be crossing over with Miller Thomas on Lockdown Diamondbacks. We do one every week. We're going to be doing another fantasy draft. Very appropriately so, uh, considering that football is just starting up. Uh, you know, so everybody, shouts to everyone in your fantasy league. You know, um, I hope you guys got good players. Leave some comments, by the way. Tell me about your teams. I love fantasy football. I love fantasy football. So go ahead. Leave me some comments about players you got. I'd love to hear uh, your teams. That'd be great. Or just DM me. Um, but until next time, guys, of course, send me your questions, whatever more than happy to answer them, especially with uh, the season winding down and playoff hopes almost officially winding down. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Fire Faithful homies, take care.